this first question comes to us from Endless Jam Witch. Creepy neighbor. Hey, y'all. This is my first post on Reddit, so I hope I'm doing this right. My best friend, 26 female, lives alone in a condo next to a guy, about 40 male, that lives with his mom and sister. About five months ago, he said he could smell her smoking weed and that he needs a smoking buddy and that she shouldn't be surprised if she hears a knock on her door. She kindly asked him not to do that. (laughs) And since then, he has come outside to talk to her every time she gets home from work. And now that she's working from home, comes outside to talk to her every time she opens her sliding door. There is literally not a single moment that she can go outside without him trying to talk to her. She is super creeped out by this guy, and it makes her really uncomfortable being around him. She's pretty introverted and just feels really uncomfortable that he is constantly trying to talk to her or smoke weed with her. She is also concerned since he doesn't believe in COVID and some of her family members are severely immunocompromised, so she won't use her patio or go outside. Should she say something to him? What should she say if she does confront him? She doesn't want to piss him off since she lives alone and he is twice her size, at least. Hmm. Tough situation. Yeah. Yes. Multiple factors in this make it harder. Um, okay. My, my first thought is that you could just start with the COVID thing because that's pressing and the most... Uh, like you get the most support from other people. But if this person doesn't mm-hmm. believe that in, in that pandemic, then um, they might not accept excuses based off of that. And also right. once this is over, you're probably still living in the same place. And right. if you don't want to hang out with this person, I think that's the thing that you're ultimately going to have to communicate in one form or another. So what's the right wording? Um for somebody who's not taking hints, I'm assuming that mm-hmm. this person's dropping hints in their mind that the other person just might not be receiving. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't feel like we're working with a super emotionally, socially attuned person here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I think some form of just, hey, I, I'm not looking to make friends. I appreciate, I mean, if you don't appreciate it, I don't want you to lie. And, but Mm -hmm. say that this person starts to look angry. Um, what are some softeners that, uh, you can soften the message with, but still be clear. Yeah. Um, it's tough because you want to be polite and kind, but you also want to be firm. So you don't want to leave too much room for, arguing you don't really want to invite much of a any wiggling on it you want to just firmly state your piece and with you know sharing kind of as few details as possible because the details are where you we run the risk of both letting someone argue with you and potentially getting into hurtful material um so yeah i think the best policy is even though it sounds harsh just like you said like I'm sorry, I'm really not looking to make new friendships right now Um, without really much room for discussion or qualifiers because that that's true. She's introverted um, and it applies to him, but it doesn't it doesn't say anything that's that's personal about why why would he be a bad person to be friends with? It just states the fact that 
she her preference is to spend her time when she's home alone. My worry about this is at some point she's going to want to have a friend over. Yeah. And then feel like, oh, if she's seen with this person, he will uh, call her out about that and then mm-hmm. claim that she was lying to him or something like that. Yeah. <sighs> just just a bummer of a situation to be in. Um, I think. I think the clearest message is. I I like my privacy and Mm -hmm. the ability to use this space alone and I'm not looking to become friends. That's, that's even better. I'm not looking to become friends. Yeah. It's harsher, but it's, it's more direct. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think I understand what you're saying about a fear of saying something like, I don't want to make any friends because then, when she does start having friends around, he may, you know, notice that and have ammunition to then approach her. But on the other hand, there shouldn't be an expectation that in your own home, you have to entertain your neighbor every time they feel like socializing. It's not really her problem that Mm -hmm. he wants a smoking buddy or maybe is, you know, wants to make connections outside of his mom and sister who he already lives with. Um, And it just, it does feel so, it can feel even like violating really to have someone Mm. be such a disruption to your own private space. I mean, cause she's, she's paying to live and enjoy her time here just as much as he is. And it, it can really feel like someone is like in your home, in your skin and, and just, that feeling of ick, that feeling of creepiness from feeling like you can't put up a boundary to protect yourself, even in your Mm -hmm. own place of residence. It, it sucks so much. And especially the dynamic being, you know, an older man and a younger female, I've been in, I've been in similar ish situations where you feel like, well, there's not that much I can really do about this. And it feels, it feels like a threat and that's something you just have to kind of suffer through. But it seems like this is just sort of a constant burden. And I do think she should ultimately confront him and practice maybe saying something very simple to the effect of what Rob suggested about, you know, I'm not open for friends or I, I need my home to be a place where I can unwind privately uh, and just practice stating it out loud to no one and leaving it there. Mm-hmm without adding all those qualifiers about, well, this and that. And, you know, when, when I'm like this, I don't want someone. And when I, da, 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 da. Um, cause in that space, it just gives that, it puts off that uncertain energy and that's where someone can wiggle in and try to put you off balance. Right. And your objection to this might be, that would be mean or Mm -hmm. that that would, uh, I'd feel afraid while I'm saying that. Yeah. And those things might be right. And I, I, think it's okay to be mean to in other people's eyes that might hurt his feelings that's okay too yeah 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 it's you're dealing with a different question if then uh this person uh rejects that rejection and comes knocking on your door when they see you out on the patio or something like that after you've told them no then then you ask for help from other people i think and yeah i agree the, the other neighbors or the police Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. those people can help you out 
Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's best to start by sort of giving giving him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that once you set put your foot down, that you know, and you can kind of maybe use this. The, the energy of this as like leverage of like, you know, you expect someone to respect that and still be able to be polite and habitate near each other. But yes. obviously if someone is not heeding your warning and continuing to violate your space, then that's when you, yeah, you bring in a property manager, you bring in a, um, authorities, whatever is necessary because you have to protect yourself. And if you're afraid when you're at home, that's not a home. Right. Um, another option is potentially if you, if she is too afraid to confront him in person and is afraid of, you know, maybe slipping up and saying something that she doesn't want to say, you can write a note um, and you could, you know, slip it under the door or something mm-hmm. in an envelope with his first name on it so that, you know, only he sees the contents. Um, and that, that would give you a little bit more room to practice what you want to articulate and, and, you know, make sure that it's coming off in a way that you feel comfortable about. Um, but I think doing it in person is also sometimes a way of just more quickly nipping it in the bud and not letting yourself overthink it too much. Because at the end of the day, we're trying to protect you from, uh, just wasting more of your energy on this person. Right. And letter writing can be a lot of energy. (laughs) Yeah. I like the letter writing idea a lot actually, because otherwise um, I fear that she's not going to be able to pick when the conversation happens. Mm -hmm. And especially if she's outside to smoke weed and that's like the time that he's coming around and she might have to, to at any moment have this conversation that might be more difficult Mm -hmm. because of the drug or because of the state of mind that she's in when she wants to do that. Yeah. Um, So I like her being able to pick when she delivers this message and it not just being something that she has to be like prepared for at all moments, especially when she's trying to have a quiet moment of solitude. Yeah. And maybe be, maybe she's less articulate when she's high. Yeah, I agree. And it can like, it can make you kind of overthink and maybe be a little bit paranoid about what the response is going to be and mm-hmm. worrying about sort of the social cues and everything. Um, so yeah, either writing a letter gives you that control or, you know, you go and knock on his door with when you're prepared. Um, right. but I feel like there was something else I was going to say and I don't remember what it was. Um, but, oh, it was another potential wording for how you can articulate it simply, um, is saying, you know, that this is the type of relationship I would prefer to have with my neighbors, you know, just kind of to be polite and civil to each other, but not to really make friends. Um, you can sort of say like, it's just like a policy that you have so that you feel like when you come home, you can just turn off whatever. You don't have to justify it to him. Um, but it's just about finding a wording that you feel secure in actually articulating succinctly that you believe in that feels, I think somewhat authentic to how you really feel. Um, again, without including too many details that risk, um, pissing him off. Right or uh, exceptions or reasons that can be argued with or mm-hmm. 
strategized against. Yeah, it's sort of like a breakup. I mean, it's like it's a breakup from a relationship you didn't ask for. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So it's the same principle. It's like at the end of the day, you're ending the relationship and you have every right to do that. And then there are ways to do it that will make that easier and uh, less painful for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. All right, everyone. Thank you for that question. Welcome to Free Advice. Ow, ow! Free Advice. 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 advice. Would you like Free Advice? Free Advice. Free Advice. Free Advice. Free Advice. Forever. All right, Free Advisees. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Ow, ow! From quarantine, remotely filmed. Morgan and I are looking at each other. On our FaceTime, and yeah. we're recording this for y'all. It's nice. It's nice to, at least for us to be able to see each other. We were just do, just talking on the phone in mm-hmm. some of the past weeks, and that was fine. But I think that we miss some of the cues between us and, and mm-hmm. some of the social enjoyment from just you know, feeling like we're more connected and more in sync. And maybe that reflects in the recording. Maybe not, but we have fun with it. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh. So do you have any advice that you want to ask of me or just share into the ether before we jump into another question from a listener? Um, yeah. So Los Angeles has opened up some the very first steps towards resuming normalcy. Oh, trying to yeah. tiptoe towards it. Um, how should I take advantage of, or should I do anything differently, given um, curbside pickup at some stores? Is there any good stores I should get things at <laughs> that I might not have think, thought of? Uh, trails reopening. Mm-hmm. And um, is there one other thing? There might be one other thing that I'm forgetting now. I don't know. But those are two big ones. Yeah. And it, it, it feels exciting to suddenly have this influx of new possibility mm-hmm. after not having that for so long. And so I, I definitely share it's your sense scary of too. it's yes. Yes. What's scary about I, it? I just kind of got used to this. Like it was a good excuse to just be a piece of shit and not go do anything. <laughs> <laughs> like Really, really turn my back on the world and be like, hey, yeah, yeah, nobody's, this is fake life. We're all on pause. This is nothing counts. Yeah, Ah, things count a little more now, it Mm. feels like, now that I could go to a trail. What was the thing that or things that you missed the most when we got the lockdown? Oh, asking the hard question. (laughs) You know me. um, The ease of seeing friends just Mm. night of saying, hey, you want to go to this place? Want to grab dinner? Mm hmm. Yeah. Okay, so the trails being open definitely give you a a in different the gym, potential. In the YMCA, in the sauna. Oh, I missed that a lot too. Okay, oh, I thought you were saying that got opened. I was like, what? <laughs> no, no, no. 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 Um, I got you. Yeah. So, okay, so the trails give you the possibility to take advantage of being outside in nature by yourself and exploring mm-hmm. new trails, or the possibility of inviting a friend to go on a hike that you didn't have mm-hmm. access to before it does either of those does either the the nature and solitude or a shared experience of nature call out to you nature and solitude mm-hmm. i um 
I think I'm going to wait for campgrounds to open. I'm hoping that'll be next week and mm. do that. Mm. Spend the night in the woods. Okay. I like going on night walks. Mm-hmm. Something I really enjoy about it being kind of spooky. <laughs> oh man, the, the moon's going to be mild low next spook week. Factor. Not be too much moon. <laughs> the what? The mild spook factor. Yeah, but being like, well, it's okay. It's, uh, nobody's out here trying to kill me in the middle of the night. Like this isn't right. much more dangerous than yeah. walking around during the day. It's interesting that you asked, okay, how do I take advantage of these things? But then you revealed that you really don't plan to until <laughs> until the <laughs> campgrounds open, until you can kind of take it at your own pace and, and digest it in this much more kind of private, remote way, which I honestly like, that's kind of why I was trying to ask you in like bite-sized questions of like, well, does this appeal to you? Does that appeal to you? Because no, you got me there quick. I, I mean, was ready. Yeah, yeah. As things open up, I do think there is a sense of like fear of, oh my God, I have to take advantage of all this stuff all of a sudden because it's available to me. But it's like, give yourself permission to just tread slowly. There's mm-hmm. no rush whatsoever. Well, what if they close it back down and I missed if, what has just opened for a week? You know what I mean? The beaches yeah. have been doing that kind of stutter start mm. a little bit. So like, yeah, I might miss a beach window, but there's mm. been years that I haven't gone to the beach at all in LA. So yeah. that'd be okay. Yeah. The end of the world. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's the sort of psychological FOMO at play more really Once than there's the a desire. limited quantity of yeah. something and I know that there's a temporary window where I can get it. Oh, it's so much that that uh forbidden fruit or the hard to reach grape is the one that we're plucking for. <laughs> <laughs> that grape is so high up. <laughs> yeah. Give me that give me that grape. <laughs> you gotta really stand up on your tiptoes on the highest rung of the ladder to just pluck for it. Yeah. Um but yeah, so I think like as I think about my own excitement and anxiety about things reopening and what the schedule is and when I'm going to take advantage of them. I think it's really important to be mindful of the need for maybe a more gradual transition between Mm -hmm. total isolation. And like you said, the sort of permission to be a piece of shit mindset and the like, Oh my God, run out and try everything immediately kind of mindset. Um, because, at the end of the day, well, at the end of the year, maybe this will all have sort of evened out. And eventually we will again have the full range of possibilities for what we can do. And I would just encourage you to challenge the mindset that that sort of scarcity mindset of like, Oh my God, I better hurry up and take advantage of that. Like, what is that urgency? What is that insecurity coming from? Hmm. Yeah. Um, what's it coming from? Uh, excitement to do something new and uh, yeah. thirst for adventure and shaking things up. Boredom, I suppose. Stagnation, a feeling of like, I've been stuck here. Well, let's see what a little new thing might do. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> uh, a draw towards the unknown. Hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. And I think also to your point, it's like the fear of, well, if I don't take advantage of this and then it gets taken away again, I'm going to be mad at myself. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I would just encourage patience with all of those things. Um, okay. Yeah. Trying to be easy on yourself about 
you know, the order, the frequency that you go back into the world and, and recognize that, you know, whatever your pace with it is, is totally fine. I used to high five people on my runs <laughs> going up the hill. I'd spot people with like one free hand and get on the side of them where our free hands would. A lot of people are holding a water bottle in one hand and a phone in the other. Mm. And they're just impossible to high five. <laughs> unless you give them a lot of notice and like mime, hey, switch your water bottle to your under your elbow of your phone hand. And then mm-hmm. say so you have a free mm-hmm. hand to high five me with. And I'm moving pretty fast when I'm running and they're coming the opposite direction so that, you know, you don't get a lot of time to communicate those things non-verbally. Um, <laughs> now I'm like, well, I could nod it. I could, I could play the game where I can see how many people I can get to nod at me or wave mm-hmm. or like do the chicken dance or something, you know, where you stick your elbows out and you kind of squat. Yeah. Flap your little wings. I wonder if I could get anybody to do that. Maybe I'll start them with a nod, then escalate to a wave on the same person. And if they're already... It's called a yes ladder. You know this <laughs> psychological technique. Where you, you ask someone for something simple and the, uh-huh, the, uh-huh. That they'll say yes to and then another thing. And then they're just kind of in a daze. They're like hypnotized by, oh, I, I'm used to saying yes to this person. They see me as a yes person. So I'm going to keep saying yes. And that's how yeah. I get them to chicken dance with me. I think that'd be satisfying. Yeah. Just looking for some new interactions with, with folks, with strangers. And um, yeah, probably ones where we don't touch hands. Yeah, that's probably the right place to start. Yep. Um, but yeah, even what you just demonstrated, I think, is such a perfect example of that that gradation of activity and allowing for it to start small and just also remembering, like, even though nobody wanted to be on total lockdown, to some extent, we've all been forced to adapt to it. And we will adapt again to the, for better or worse, we will adapt again to the influx of novelty um Mm -hmm. like whether it's processing what's scary about going back into the world or just unfortunately we're going to acclimate again and we're all the things we say now like oh my god i'm gonna appreciate so much when i get to go to the beach or i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna take such advantage of you know doing x y or z i think it's important to acknowledge that some of that will that excitement will fade over time what about um Counterpoint, mm-hmm, fun mm-hmm. counterpoint, fun for counterpoint. You. <laughs> hilarious, <laughs> jolly counterpoint over here. Love it, love um, it. What about the people that grew up in the depression mm. that still save all their wrapping paper when they when they open a gift and, and plan to reuse that? Or what are some other uh-huh. habits like? Yeah, you know, using the last bits of every ingredient and not throwing away any food, even if it's expired or they're not hungry or whatever. Those types of things seem to have lasted an entire lifetime. Now, it, has our sacrifice been uh, right. equivalent to that, to where we're going to have lasting habits like this, that, that our grandchildren's generation is going to look at like fucking weirdo, throw away the wrapping paper? <laughs> um, I feel like at this point, potentially not. I mean, there may be small things, but I, I do think we really adapt so quickly. And Mm. if it, if it becomes, I think it's about the ease. If it becomes just as easy to go back to the way things were, that's something that's more ingrained in us than what's been going on. Even, even though it's now been a couple months and it probably depends on the severity of where you were locked down, you know, like some people are going to be locked down for a lot longer than, than we are in LA, like New York. Um, or some people have, 
already suffered through longer lockdowns and more strict lockdowns. So maybe, so maybe it'll kind of correspond to imagine being above the Arctic circle and lockdown where it's just like super cold and dark during the winter and you're not allowed to have people over. Fuck. Yeah. That sounds brutal. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad we live where we do. Me too. Me too. At least having the Mm. sunshine is, is uh, definitely keeping me afloat. So did you, did you hear Twitter told their employees they can work remotely indefinitely, even after COVID? Wow. I did like, not hear that. From home. I did not hear the that. First company to first big company to make that change permanent. Yeah. I, I do think that is something that will change because a lot of people um, will have grown accustomed to it. will have seen that there are probably very few actually negative consequences from Mm -hmm. people working from home, at least more on a more consistent schedule. And then maybe, um, especially in financial strife, uh, the cost of maintaining office space could be a motivator, um, to go remote. I wonder if people will leave San Francisco. I don't know. Go live in Bali. Probably some. Yeah. Cheaper lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Wonder if it will uh, if Americans will lose jobs as a result of this. If like things that we used to think, oh, you have to come into the office for mm-hmm. those jobs will get shipped overseas as well. More white collar work. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. Hmm. We'll have to see. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll have to see. Hey, do you need any advice or want any? Um, you know, honestly, I feel like I want to jump into another question Bam. from Reddit. Let's do it. Let's help Let's somebody else. I have a lot of, uh, I've had a lot of good, good time to talk to you and other friends today where I've gotten some good advice. So the next question mm-hmm. is coming to us from Reddit user ZZ Epic Sniper 30. No, 303 ZZ. (laughs) Sometimes people use a lot of characters in a row that I'm not anticipating, and it makes it really hard to read through smoothly. (laughs) So Epic Sniper asks, how to cope with waiting for something you're really excited for? I know I sound like a child, but I'm really excited about a thing I have going on in about two months and can't wait for it. I think about it constantly and can't get it out of my head. I do have activities going on, of course. I don't spend all my time thinking about it. But even during these activities, I still think about it. It's actually getting annoying because thinking about it just gets me even more excited and hyped for the thing, which is still a long time away. How do I get my mind off of this so that my time can pass normally again? Because I really think that my days go slower and slower the more I think about it. Hmm. My my gut instinct is this isn't a problem. If it, <laughs> is there a part of being excited that you dislike? Like uh, personally, I, I like being excited about things and think that's just a fun thing to. If it's not like ruining your ability to work or do things that you need to get done in the present, then cool, just be excited about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I think that a lot of times the problems that we have are more about, I don't have anything that I'm excited for. And like, how do I get through time where I'm, I'm not anticipating anything to look forward to in the future? I think that's what a lot of people Mm -hmm. are sort of struggling with right now. Um, but I will also say there can be this kind of like tingling 
feeling of anticipation that if you are waiting for something exciting, that almost is just too stimulating and in too constant of a way. Um, and I think that the overall problem that this person is experiencing is that being so present and activated like that for a long stretch of time actually, uh, makes the time go slower, uh, and, and makes, makes the thing seem that much farther away. Um, which I agree is not necessarily a problem. Um, but since this person is asking for help coping with this time, I think that that's a really good, that's a good way to reframe it potentially is thinking about what's awesome about the feeling of being excited for something in the future and maybe reflecting on times where you didn't have something like that, um, to look forward to. And and what was that like? And how was that different? How did time feel when that was the case? Mm -hmm. Hmm. I think, um, you've got, if you want to reduce the excitement, you got to express it through movement i'm gonna say dance to fast-paced music and think about like while you're dancing fantasize about the thing that you're gonna do yeah yeah um you can write about it i think anything that's externalizing these repetitive thoughts and feelings will help you uh, process them and then feel like they're not intruding so much they're not coming it seems like it's trying to guide you towards an action Mm -hmm. some of the excitement may be interpreted as anxiety you know if you're thinking about the thing and Mm -hmm. i don't know if there's an opportunity to fail or for things to go wrong at at this thing that's going to happen in two months but uh if those are you could write those out and write okay what am i going to do if this bad thing happens um and that could take some of the the edge out of this thing too Mm -hmm. it's just like much as you can express your feelings about it, then they might not be so strong. Yeah. Afterwards. Yeah. And I would guess that maybe some of that would be, you know, just solved by the action of even asking that question. Um, not to say that you're, you know, check problem solved, but that's an example of, of sharing about it, of externalizing the feelings, um, describing the feeling of excitement. How does it feel in your body? What is it like? Is your heart beating faster? Do you feel tingling in your stomach? Does your head feel light? Um, do you feel just lifted and like you're moving at a higher pace? Noticing what the feeling feels like can also be um, a good place to start in terms of knowing, well, how do you want to externalize it? Okay, well, mm-hmm. if it's a tingling in my stomach, maybe what I want to do is a bunch of sit-ups or I want to like hula hoop my stomach around to Ooh. sort of shake up that sensation. And yeah. Dancing like is such idea. a power. Yeah. D- well, dancing is such a powerful way of doing that. So I think that's such a great suggestion. Um, perhaps another facet of the problem is when you're really excited about something in the future, it can make everything that's happening in the present sort of pale in comparison. Mm-hmm. And everything in the present becomes then an obstacle in between you and that thing that you're doing in the future. So maybe a way to kind of rebalance the energy is to have a, an external calendar that you look at, that you, that you have like a landmark of like, okay, here's this thing I'm excited about. And then maybe coming up with little, um, micro landmarks leading up to it or thing, other things that you can be excited about in the meantime, to disperse your excitement, um, Mm -hmm. or even thinking about, okay, well, what's, what's interesting or different or unique about the things that I'm going to be doing 
between now and that exciting time? And how can I add balance and variety? And maybe some of it is just practicing being able to calm yourself down, even though you know something exciting is going to happen in the future. So maybe trying to actively think about that thing, but then slow your breath down and use Mm -hmm. long, deliberate exhales. Um, Just kind of playing with the different ways that you can move the energy around your mind and body so that it's not so pointed all at this thing, kind of different things you can do to diffuse it. You take a cold shower and then you'll be in the moment because you'll be thinking about how cold it is on your body. Mm-hmm. And then when you start to warm back up, you'll be like, ah, okay, I feel calmer by comparison to how much intense feeling I got out of that cold water. Yeah. yeah. The thing I was most excited for was the uh, release of the Nintendo GameCube. And um, it really helped me because I was, I was following this thing couple years before it came out online as a child and um i joined some online forums of other people who are excited about this thing and Mm. talking to them sharing the excitement with them was a good uh, pastime to i enjoyed it more hearing from them and their theories and what they were excited about and uh, so if this is something that you're sharing with other people i'd say talk to them about the exciting thing or people who have gone through this themselves if it's a personal thing and talk to them about that Yeah. That's a great suggestion. That's a great suggestion. Um, and yeah, I think overall see if you can just moment to moment pivot your pivot, your framework or the way that you're seeing it to a place of, okay, how can I enjoy the excitement and, and maybe, maybe questioning, well, why do you feel like you have to minimize your excitement about this thing? Mm -hmm. Questioning that impulse. Um, cause I think mm-hmm. a lot of times we think the grass is always greener on the other side and, and sometimes we don't take enough time to just sort of smell the roses or appreciate what's exciting, even if it's to a fault about that feeling of having something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm excited Great. for you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to know what the thing is. Same. <laughs> Sounds Maybe exciting. It's the 4th of July. <laughs> Maybe it's the fireworks that are going to happen on the 4th of July. Maybe. Maybe. So if it's something it's like that. Timeline. <laughs> Maybe you can also, maybe you could even create like sort of a, a vision board about the thing. Like what are some pictures of things that remind you of that thing? And again, just channeling your excitement into something that has a product, has a process Mm -hmm. that you can, you know, continue to, um, diffuse. I keep coming back to that word, just diffuse, diffuse the intensity of some of that single focal Mm -hmm. point excitement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All Good right. answer, Mo. <laughs> Great answer, Ro. Berto. Let's go. All right. Here's another one from from someone who is uh, worried about their excitement level. <laughs> okay. This one. This one comes to us from Reddit user Orange Blue Ted. I've read so okay. much philosophy. I feel like I'm going crazy. There are Mm. so many views on life slash how to live a happier life. And it feels like I'm obsessed with quote unquote, what's right. Honestly feel like I'm going insane. What do you think about that? Hmm. Yeah. Um, 
I think this is the intellectualizing trap that I've fallen into mm. before of uh, thinking, thinking, thinking as a way of uh, uh, protecting myself from the fear of doing mm. and considering all options. I think um, just try one philosophy for a day. Mm. Just write it down. It can have flaws. It can you can be aware of the contradictions or competing philosophies, and um, just whatever is appealing to you. You can even doubt. Well, I'm mean, really is this really appealing to me? Or that's fine. Just pick one, yeah. and then at the end, write about. All right, here's the shortcoming of this. Because yeah, every life philosophy will have its drawbacks. If you go for stoicism and sleep on the floor, you might wake, wake up with a stiff neck. And then if you try uh, hedonism, you might find that the pleasure you take out of that next grape, uh, it just everything feels dull by comparison. <laughs> I love that answer. I want to kind of build on it. Um, yes, thank you. I would love for you, I think, I think the idea of making it more concrete and taking certain action steps in a a distinct container of time is really key, just like you said. So what I would do is go out and make a list of maybe five or 10 of your favorite life philosophies that excite you, that you want to try. You can even throw one in there that sounds horrible to you just to get a taste of something different Mm -hmm. Um, and plan it out like, okay, Day one, like you said, day one, I'm going to do stoicism and and write out maybe, okay, three principles or intentions of how I'm going to spend my stoic time and Mm -hmm. uh, take some notes during the day of like, okay, what were the ways that I followed this and kept myself to this intention? And what were some of the, what were some of the positive outcomes? What were some of the negative outcomes? Sort of go from being a philosophizer to a data scientist and- Mm -hmm use use the kind of quantitative analysis lens in order to weed out some of the just huge amorphousness of these big philosophies with all their different potential. So just distilling it down to as concrete of uh, an exploration and as, as real and physical and lived an explanation or uh, experience as possible. Because, you know, philosophy at the end of the day is philosophy. It it exists in books. It's people thinking about how to live. And I think the best advice is go out and try some stuff, collect data. Mm -hmm. And like Rob said, don't, don't be afraid of, okay, this might have this drawback and this might not be perfect because it's not going to be perfect. I mean, you've already experienced the drawbacks of even trying to optimize which is there is a lot to account for <laughs> within that. And mm-hmm. I, similarly to Rob, I get I get caught in that trap too where I often hover over a wide swath of possible decisions and paths. And sometimes I will just think myself into a total tailspin where I then don't act and then I start to even to just doubt myself completely because I've gotten so far from shore. (laughs) Um, And sometimes reading a lot of other people's thoughts and words and ideas can do this to us where we sort of lose sight of our own internal compass. So maybe some of the process is to get clear on, well, if you were to write a philosophy about how to live life based on your experiences and your values, what would, what might that look like? 
What's important mm-hmm. to you? What do you think it takes to live an optimized or a happy or a successful life? I mean, what is even the intention? Is the intention to be happy? Is the intention to be wealthy? Is the intention to be, um, you know, make a lot of friends? Like what, what to you are the pillars of living a good life? I think a good exercise for that can be to write your younger self a letter. Mm. Think about what kind of mistakes, what, what do you judge your past self for? Or what regrets do you have? Mm-hmm. What would you like to advise that person to do? And then follow that advice in the present. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I love that. I also love when I uh, sometimes what I'll do with clients is do a visualization of them meeting with some idealized future self. And that that future self has all these wonderful qualities that you're striving for and they're settled in their life and they're coming back to tell you now, what do you need to do in order to get to mm-hmm. where they are now? Mm-hmm. Um, and what is it just, what is it like to just be in the presence of this person? What is their energy like? What are they wearing? And, and think about all of those sort of visual details and the sensory details of how do I feel in their presence and it can it can inspire a big sense of kind of trust too in just whatever happens, how whatever choices I'm going to make, it's going to be the right ones for me. And having that imagined future self come down can kind of remind you, like, oh, I'm I'm going for something specific here. I'm building towards a future that that isn't that abstract. Actually, it's it's these concrete things that this version of myself has done in order to bring about a positive reality that they're living in and getting clear about the details of what that is, is critical before you can take any step. Um, Mm -hmm. but sometimes if you get too fixated on, well, what could my future look like? You run the risk of never acting. And so on on either side of the spectrum on, on anywhere in the spectrum, there are pitfalls um, uh, yeah. If you're struggling to identify those things, pay attention to the feeling of envy and jealousy yes. as you have them. Uh, a lot of people suppress those things or say, I'm not a jealous person. I'm not an envious person. Everybody has the ability to feel all these emotions. So, um, just try and notice next time that you envy something and your mm-hmm. reaction to that envy. Well, maybe that's something that you'd like some form of, maybe that's a way you'd like to be a little bit more. Yeah, that's that's such a great way of kind of tapping into that compass, using your emotions to figure out, oh, okay, what is this really telling me? What's the signal here? Even if it's something mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily want to hear, because um, envy is a very uncomfortable feeling. It makes mm-hmm. you just want to like crawl out of your own skin. Um, but it can also tell you, well, what would make my skin, skin more exciting? Into. Yes. <laughs> what skin do I want to crawl into? <laughs> and I think it's important to say too, is that obsession over doing quote unquote, what's right. Um, that we know that that doesn't really land us somewhere happy, the obsessing. And it's also important to point out that there, there really is no right answer 100% of the time. It's not just, it's not a video game where, you know, there's three options and you choose, but, 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 and there's only a limited amount of paths that you could possibly even go down. Life gives you lots of opportunities. And I find it often works in like cyclical ways where, you know, if you miss the boat 
at one point, you will keep being handed the same opportunities until you kind of get the message and your intuition will over time show you, well, what do I really want? Mm-hmm. You could even do the, do a, a test as simple as like sort of the coin flip thing of like, okay, I'm choosing between two pathways and I'm going to flip the coin. Heads is pathway number one, tails is pathway number two. And then you flip it and you see what your emotional reaction is to whatever the Mm-hmm. The, the path the coin chooses for you. Yeah. Do you want to, are you, are you excited that it was heads because you really wanted to choose that pathway or are you a little bit bummed? And that tells you that, oh, okay, maybe there's something to the tails option. That's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Great trick. <laughs> Such flip. a good trick. <laughs> Such mm-hmm. a good trick. There's also, what you can also do is, is employ a pendulum. Have you heard of how Whoa. a pendulum works? No. Okay. Uh-huh. So, I think that you can pretty much take anything that operates as a pendulum, which is any grandfather clock along. <laughs> if you have a grandfather clock, no, um, it can be like a, a string with a, an object that has some weight at the end of it. And what you basically do is you, you, uh, hold it, uh, out. So it's just sort of hanging vertically and you can put your hand, your other hand underneath it so that it's stopped and you lift it up and you ask it, Show me what is my yes. And the pendulum will will either start to swing back and forth or forward and back. And Mm. once you get a clear sense of just, okay, what's my yes? Is it forward and back or is it side to side? Stop it. And you go, okay, show me my no. And it should go the other way. And basically it's picking up on, I think, your kind of subtle energetic vibration of your own intuition. And then Mm. you can ask it questions and see what it says. If it swings forward and backward or side to side. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. really powerful. Um, it's it's really interesting. And again, if if you don't agree with what the pendulum says, you can treat it like the coin flip trick. Yeah. You can just be exactly. like, oh, now I actually know that that's not what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like a abbreviated version of the just try something yes. and then reflect on it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think sometimes what creates this false sense of like urgency to always perform the right action is the sense that we're running out of time and we have to hurry up mm. and do it. Or we're going to miss some opportunity or this is going to pass us by. And I think life is life is long and it presents a lot of opportunities. And there are so many juicy lessons in the mistakes that we've made just as much as the successes. And the fact that you're paying so much attention and being so conscious to how you want to live your life is a great sign. You're going to get where you want to go, but it will take time and you're going to have to fall on your face. Sometimes <laughs> you won't always mm-hmm. get it right. <laughs> I have to remind myself this every day. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, do you want to take a stab at one more question? Yeah. Let's stab. Let's stab. Let's get out our knife and just stabby stab, stab around. All right. So our last question comes to us from Kaiko. K-A-E-K-O. Is that how you would pronounce okay. it? Keiko? Kaiko? A-E. Mm-hmm. I might say A. Keiko. Okay. Keiko. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Okay. All right. So Keiko wants to know tips for eye contact. I would like to learn how to be better at maintaining eye contact. I struggle with anxiety and it makes me uncomfortable looking at someone's face. I would like to be more confident and improve. Any advice is appreciated. Hmm. Okay. So eye contact is difficult. Um, You can start in the mirror, looking Mm. at your own eyes. Yeah. 
Um, and then you can ask somebody to help you practice this. Um, it, it also, this is a common thing to be uncomfortable yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I notice it fluctuating in myself. Yeah. How much eye contact I'm willing to make with people based on how confident I am in that situation. Right. And I look at the ground more when I'm less confident, um, or just any, anywhere away from people's eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a, a fine thing to practice. Yeah, and I think just being willing to put yourself out there and get help, especially from someone else, is a great step toward overcoming some of the fears that that come from being afraid of sustained eye contact, which is the fear of, I think, being seen by someone else. The fear mm-hmm. of... Um, could you know, be a fear burdening of ha- someone, making them uncomfortable. Right, right. Yeah, a fear of making someone else uncomfortable, a fear of kind of putting yourself out there, a fear of burdening someone, a fear of being seen. All of those things are abated by just the practice of involving someone else in your pursuit to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that what it boils down to often is. I'm afraid that I'll be doing the wrong thing and I'll, I'm afraid I'll be judged for it. And there's a real lack of self compassion, self forgiveness in there. And the assumption that, Oh my God, if I mess up and I stare at this person too long, they're going to cut me out of my life, their life forever. (laughs) So finding someone that you trust that you've had a, you know, a long-term relationship with maybe not a partnership, but you know, a friendship or a family member, someone that you feel comfortable with that that's not going to desert you. If you burn them with your fresh, hot eye contact, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, and maybe someone who you feel comfortable even receiving certain reflections about your eye contact from like, Oh, okay. You know, there was this shared discomfort during this moment and just sustained eye contact is to people kind of going into a sort of uncomfortable and intimate situation and just allowing for there to be some discomfort and disjointedness and misalignment and getting comfortable in those nuances and those little weird mistakes or moments that that is really where the juiciness of this Mm -hmm. getting better at this practice comes in because it's again there's really not like a right prescription of like Oh, everybody knows that like 85% is how much eye contact you're supposed to make, or there's some certain formula for it. It's always kind of a dance. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I love, I love the idea of it as a dance being potentially a key to kind of figuring it out. You could even be, ask someone to engage with you in a way where you present it that way. Like we're going to dance with our eyes. We're going to look, um, at different parts, we're going to coordinate. Okay, first we're going to look at each other's left eye, then right eye, then mouth. Yeah, we did an exercise an like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did an exercise. If you're looking like at the this. mouth, it might look like <laughs> you're. Well, so one potential concern keeps me from making eye contact with people sometimes is: do they think that this amount of eye contact is a nonverbal um, hitting on them, mm. or like leading up to a kiss, like right. I'm about to kiss them or something? Right. If you look at the mouth. I think that can suggest that, especially if you bite your lip when you do it. <laughs> and, you, and you go, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you purr a little bit. <laughs> um, but all these things are, all these little accessories to eye contact are things that we're pointing out to kind of suggest that like, it can be playful. 
again, it's, it's an art. It's not a science. It's a dance. It's not a Mm -hmm. formula. Um, and it's something that I don't think anyone thinks, oh, I've totally nailed this or mastered this. So when you're walking into the situation where you're going to practice it with someone, whether they know it or not, it's important to remember that we're all just kind of playing and experimenting Mm -hmm. and like flirting with the line of, well, what's too much, what's not enough. Um, and I sometimes would even come up with maybe just even like a little internal game of, okay, I'm going to just breathe and look at someone's left eye for five seconds. And then I'm going to look down and I'm going to breathe. And then I'm going to look up and look at their right eye for five seconds. They're not even going to notice that you're doing this first of all. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, sometimes my anxieties about, about eye contact are more like, Ooh, am I going to slip up and like, look at somebody's nose for too long or like notice a weird thing on their face or like look at their crotch. And that's like you said, going to be interpreted as some kind of a come on or whatever. But I think that often we are paying so much attention to what we're doing and worried about if it's the right thing and being self-conscious of it. And the other person is not even necessarily registering it at that same level of detail. Um, it's possible. It's possible. Um, that what you just said about being so concerned about ourselves mm-hmm. um, and other people aren't even aware reminds me of some advice from Mark Manson's book Models. Mm-hmm. Um, where he says that true confidence is the result of caring more about how you feel about yourself than how another individual feels about you. And um, really like honoring your own opinion Um not completely disregarding other people's like still caring about their feelings, mm-hmm. but caring more about how you feel about yourself. And, um, I recommend that book. Uh, he has eye contact recommendation exercises of just like walking down the street, playing eye contact, check in with people and seeing how it feels. If, if someone else is uncomfortable, like giving mm-hmm. yourself permission to make another person uncomfortable, um, not going out of your way to try to do that, but that that's like an acceptable thing that has to happen if you are going to initiate contact with other people. Sometimes they'll be dealing with issues that really don't have anything to do with you and you, it won't be pleasant for them to have had some interaction with you. Yeah. That's, if that's something that you can't tolerate, then you won't initiate real connections with people or they'll go very slowly or it's just, that's like the cost of relating to people and connecting to them is sometimes you mess up. Sometimes one or both people dislike it. Yeah. And then you can stop at that point and go just say goodbye or just end the interaction. Yeah. And I think if you were to get caught in some way doing something weird where, you know, you're looking at someone (laughs) and you notice that they're kind of like backing their face away or making a confused look or like doing something with their eyebrows that indicates like, what are you doing? You know, you can just own up and say like, Hey, you know, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to make you uncomfortable, but I'm practicing my eye contact. Mm-hmm. I think anyone could understand that. Yeah. And if they think that's weird, okay, that's their problem. Yeah. <laughs> They're weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We're all exactly. fucking weird. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, potentially a safe uh, way to play with different types of eye contact too are yeah. making eye contact with kids. 
Cause they don't have, mm-hmm. they don't know what social rules exist and it's just practicing kind of dipping your toe and wading in the water and just seeing what it yes. feels like to lock eyes with someone. I, I know like if I make eye contact with kids sometimes in like the park or like at the airport or whatever, whatever these communal spaces are that used to exist. <laughs> um, right. Like I would just get a kick out of just, you know, cause kids don't know when to stop staring. So I just stare right back at them and try to do what you said, play chicken with them, have a staring contest and see if I can get them to look away first. Sometimes I'll make a weird movement with my tongue or my mouth just to Mm -hmm. be silly. Yeah. Trying to make a kid laugh or scare a child or intimidate them. (laughs) (laughs) Or force them into your van. It's all great practice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's good to think of to think of this practice and this exercise as more of a playground than a final exam. Mm-hmm. There's no A or F. It's just experimenting and enjoying yes. mm-hmm. and seeing, seeing what makes you feel connected. Like Rob said of like, what is your opinion on it? How does it make you feel to make eye contact with someone? How does it make you feel to be looked at um, in different ways and kind of making notes on, Oh, how did it feel for me when this person did that? Oh, okay. If I want to make someone feel like that, then I can kind of repeat that. And then you can practice in front of the mirror to make Mm -hmm. it kind of more natural, um, to smooth out the kinks. I think that's all great. Um, some alternative related practices that I want to recommend are paying attention to a person's breathing and trying to sync up your breathing with theirs as a way of like getting into their rhythm. Um, and their, Body language also just mirroring like, are their shoulders held really high right now? What would it feel like to bring your shoulders to where mm-hmm. theirs are? Um, like, how are their, where are their feet pointing? Mm-hmm. Um, what are they doing with their hands? That like, what's the expression on their face? And just practicing matching all of those things with a person. How yeah. loud are they speaking? Um, getting into like joining their their mood, what they're expressing, like trying to match that. Yeah. Those subtle cues that you give someone when you mirror them, obviously Mm -hmm. not in a very like aggressive way. Like if someone throws their arm up and you throw the exact same arm (laughs) up, like that could be a little too much. Um, That might warrant some questions. Um, But like, like Rob said, the, the tone of their voice, the volume of their voice, the way that their body is being held, those are all really powerful ways to uh, make someone feel more comfortable with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And just kind of sync, sync up. And you can even do sort of an opposite practice to this by, if you notice someone's shoulders are up, for example, make an effort to relax your shoulders and see Mm -hmm. if they change as a result. See if they mirror you. Um, that could be an interesting game to play. Mm -hmm. Especially if you, if you start up with them, and then after some invitation or some uh, dialogue in the conversation that's meaningful, use that as an opportunity to lower your shoulders. That can like really punctuate that uh, yeah. with your body language um, after like accepting them in some way, inviting them to something or telling them they're okay or just, um, yeah, lowering the tension like that. Yeah. Maybe even setting an intention of like, okay, what? why do you want to improve your eye contact skills? How do you want mm-hmm. someone else to feel? What's your goal of 
going out into the world and relating in this way? Is it that you want to make people feel more comfortable? Is it that you want to feel more connected? Or maybe you want to engage people differently? I think maybe sometimes backing into the what based on how you define the why could give you some signals. Mm-hmm. My guess is it's to make other people more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think the best thing to do with that is to become more comfortable with yourself. Yeah. The, the way you feel yeah. about yourself will often be how other people feel around you, mm-hmm. how you make them feel about themselves. So just having an accepting uh, awareness of yourself, maybe doing yoga, maybe some other mindfulness activity of just being aware of your body and mm-hmm. like your condition. Um, yeah. All of that work can make you more comfortable to be around. Yeah. Sometimes acknowledging that you, you fart and sometimes your body <laughs> betrays you. Sometimes you're sweating when you don't want to. And sometimes you don't say the word uh, that you meant to say like that. All of those things contribute to a person being warmer. Yeah. And think about how it makes you feel when when someone else has sort of a humbling moment or something where they some element of their humanity kind of peeks out through the crack. Mm -hmm. Um, I always find those things really charming and endearing. And yet when I do them, I'm so embarrassed. (laughs) I'm so embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, you can kind of delight in that difference of experience that we all have of like, oh, I'm so self-conscious of myself. But yet when someone else makes a mistake, it can feel like a big relief almost. Yeah. An advanced step in this is to go out and intentionally make mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) Go out with that goal. Yeah. 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 That would be a good challenge. That would be a good challenge for, for you. Anyone listening really is like, Walk out into the world and just like goof, goof up. Do something, do something the wrong way. Do something be the bad wrong way. at so, at something that you could do better. <laughs> yeah, and notice the stories that come up when you either are listening to this and thinking, "No fucking way would I ever do that," or if yeah. you go out and you, uh, you know, misstep on the stairs and you have that immediate reaction of, "Oh my god, oh my god," uh, someone might have seen that and and. What are the things that you tell yourself about yourself as a result of having made that mistake? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm so clumsy or, oh, I'm so stupid. Back it up. <laughs> Back it up. Mm-hmm. We're just human. We all make mistakes. <laughs> and recognize maybe, oh, I had this experience before where, you know, I slipped up and maybe it was called stupid or I felt a lot of pressure to behave a certain way to, to um, get approval from you know, someone that we depended on or whatever. And just, I, I love, I love the idea of just going out and being vulnerable as a way of unpacking some of the tension and the layers around just connecting with others rawly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pulling on a push door. repeatedly, <laughs> And then going, Oh, it's a push. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it says push. <laughs> that could make somebody's day. <laughs> These are gifts to the world. Oh, oh my God. And just point at it and like tap your head in a silly way. Like, oh, silly me. You could even, you could even, um, make it a little less intimidating by if you're with people you don't know, you could choose a fake name like, oh, Sally, (laughs) but your name isn't Sally. Referring to yourself that way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, silly Richard. 
but they don't know your name is Stan and Richard is just a character you invented so that you could feel more comfortable making mistakes. Yeah. yeah. So that eventually Stan can go out and make mistakes and feel okay about it. Take an alter ego out for a walk. I love that idea. I'm going to, I'm going to do that later today. Ooh, sounds like we have an assignment this week. Invent an alter ego, take it out for a walk. And then next week we're going to report on what kind of hijinks we got into. Yeah. How did that person embarrass themselves? Deal? Deal. I love it. I love it. Or how did that person like what do whatever is, is native to that alter ego. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's something different from what we would do in our default. Yeah. Like how does Sally smell a flower versus Morgan or how does, Mm -hmm. um, Viviana swing her hips or cross the street or whatever, cross the street, (laughs) cross the street, hips swinging, some arms akimbo. I love the word akimbo. I don't really know what it means. (laughs) 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 Woo! It just has this exotic freedom to it. (laughs) I think it's pointing out in different directions. It reminds you of Kimbo Slice. Who's that? Uh, he was a fighter. Uh, I think he started on bum fights and then became legit. Bum fights? Like fighting homeless people? Yes. Oh, <laughs> that's a world I know nothing about. <laughs> early 2000s, <laughs> late 90s, I think. Bum fighter. Circulated around the internet. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, little boys with underdeveloped ethics <laughs> gather around and share oh, clips. No. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. You know how that it sounds goes. Bad. With, that sounds with bad. Fifth grade boys. <laughs> oh boy oh boy well i think we really dared to dream this this week Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i'd say i love it i love it Mm -hmm. um good work yeah you too you too if uh if you have any questions that you want advice on or comments feedback whatever you just want to give us a little shout you can do that by emailing us at free online advice. marketing platforms <laughs> that you want to tell us about if you want to tell us how to take all the spelling mistakes out of our website or enroll us in a coaching program yes you can email us at free advice podcast at hotmail.com but if you want to ask advice <laughs> <laughs> that would be gmail <laughs> Yeah, so notice for our true fans, don't email us at Hotmail because that doesn't exist. Freeadvicepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, yeah. But to all the scammers, it's Hotmail. If you're a scammer, if if you're promoting something that we wouldn't be interested in, email us at Hotmail. Amazing. Amazing. Cool. Go out there and fucking tear it up as your goofy alter ego, guys. Yeah, but stay safe and wear a mask when you do it. Yeah, and stay sexy. And don't get murdered. (laughs) Oh, okay. Just a reference to another podcast that isn't ours. Yeah. Should we have a catchphrase? Um, Do we have a catchphrase? I'm sure we do. Don't we? Sleep tight. What do we tell them? What do we tell them? We like we like to act like they're going to sleep before after they listen. I do. Yeah. You you were not so on board with that for a while. Yeah, because I don't listen to podcasts right before I go to sleep, so it just feels like wash behind your ears. That's the official new free advice slogan. <laughs> Don't forget your belly button. <laughs> yeah. Anywhere there are folds should be washed with soap. Other areas can make do with just water. Yeah. You could just submerge yourself in a bath and then just get out of the bath and be done. Mm-hmm. Depends with how many folds you have. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It depends how deep the folds are. It depends also like in quarantine times, no one's like really like sneaking their nose in your folds. So you can like let it, you know, just like let it hang for a little while. Yeah. 
I guess so. Yeah. I sneak my nose in my own folds. Yeah. Where? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Under armpit. Under the armpit. Yeah. I raise my hand in the air like mm-hmm. I have a question in class. And then I just smell. <laughs> the question the is, what is this smell? Like, <laughs> 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 yeah. Dude, I've never done that practical joke on a teacher where like you raise your hand and then it like as soon as I call on you, you just smell your armpit and lower it. <laughs> That's funny. And you raise your hand up and you go, ooh, ooh. And then you smell it and then you run away. <laughs> oh, yeah. sorry. No, I was just smelling my armpit in a loud way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've definitely noticed different smells. Yeah, like what? I mean, I don't know. I just Coming feel like my you? smell. Yeah, I just feel like my smell, my sweat, like formula is different or something. Sure, it's sure. probably the foods I'm eating. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, I've altered my diet some, so I'm starting to smell different. Yeah, it's weird. I'm never that excited about the changes. They're never like, mm-hmm. well, I don't. Know, maybe sometimes they're like in a positive direction, but I've had that happen. Started eating real clean. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then your sweat changes. Okay. Do you find that it's eat one weird meal? Mm, Is it? Yeah. If poop smells different, sweat smells different. Yeah. What spit breath smells different? What kind of self smell in terms of body odor or otherwise? Are you? Would you be like stoked to do a smell check and be like, "Ooh, nice! I smell like blank." Underarm. Mm -hmm. I get stoked when that is just a natural musk that feels healthy and animal like like i smell like a good dog a healthy dog (laughs) that's nice i smell like a dog that knows how to sit (laughs) Mm. yeah Hmm. (sighs) all right well i'm so glad we had that odorous odorific detour Uh (laughs) uh-huh so you know wash behind your ears guys (laughs) Yep. <laughs> okay, good Love night, everyone. You. Bye. Bye bye.